Thanks, Bella. Uh, if you haven't met me, my name is Kevin. Uh, my interesting fact is that I have a compulsion to buy things that I do not need. And so my wife and I have recently gotten into camping and I've found myself in possession of four tents <laughs> that we do not need. So who here is actually camping at Getaway? There we go. If you don't have a tent and you need a spare tent, uh, come speak to me afterwards. Uh, they say in life that there are two things you can't avoid. Taxes and death. Well, that's a complete lie. Because there are very clever ways you can avoid tax. But no one's been able to figure out death. It's kind of like this barrier exam that we all have to face. And it doesn't matter if you're smart or if you're the opposite of smart. Uh, it doesn't matter what faculty you're part of, even what country you belong to. It's kind of like this exam we all know we're going to have to face. And we're all going to fail. It's a topic that society as a whole doesn't like to talk about. Uh, in generations past, uh, death was just everywhere. Uh, my, one of my in-laws has two older siblings that didn't make it past the age of one. One of my parents grew up in a time of famine. But we live in a day of age where we don't even see people grow old. I mean, just think about it. How many old people do you actually know? It's probably one or two in this room, maybe, potentially. But not many, right? We don't see people age, particularly. Uh, we have aged care facilities for the elderly. And when people do die, we have palliative wards and we have hospitals. That is, we actually don't see death anymore in society. It's one of those things that we don't talk about because we're not confronted with on a day-to-day -day basis. There are, however, times when it does touch us and it does actually tear the fabric of our community. In a group of this size, I don't know what your experiences are like, but even in the past week, if you've just scrolled through the news, uh, there was that lady in her 80s up at Lismore who died following the floods in her home. We, we hear the stories, but we don't know, we don't know the names. Uh, but it just came up recently on the news that she was a country music artist, that she loved her RSL club, and there were just pictures of people in tears in the town. Shane Warne? Uh, his parents have said in the news in the past week that it's like a never-ending nightmare, and it's a tragedy that they'll never come to terms with. Ukraine, the hospital that was bombed overnight. We live in a world that's in the shadow of death. Now, one of the wonderful things about the Bible is that it confronts us with things that we don't like talking about. And so this week, we're confronted with the problem of death. And now one of the things I've been doing in the past few weeks is going through a biography of Jesus. Uh, if you've never re read it before, we've got copies uh, that we'll love to give away. Uh, uh, and what I've done in the last couple of weeks is basically gone through different episodes to help you meet Jesus and work out his claims and work out who he is. And in today's episode in chapter 5, we're going to meet two minor characters. You see, there are many characters in Mark's biography. There's disciples, there's religious leaders... But today, there are two characters that kind of come and go. They appear here in chapter 5, but we never see them again. 
But it's worth noting that in Mark, these minor characters are important because they actually give us a glimpse into everyday life. They give us a glimpse into a world that's harsh, where death and sickness has cast its shadow over everything. And what these characters do in this story is that they show us how to live in this world. And they actually show us that when we're confronted with Jesus, how we should actually respond. And so today's story, we have Jairus, the ruler of a synagogue, and we have a sick woman. Uh, We're going to pick up a few themes that come out of today's story. You see it there on your outline. Firstly, there's a theme of faith that just keeps coming up and up and up and again. And we have a theme of fear when we're confronted with Jesus. But as we work out what faith and fear look like, we're actually going to see this wonderful picture of salvation at the end. But before we get stuck into the story, there's something odd that happens, and it's worth chatting to the person next to you. You have a little girl who is about to die, and you know you can heal her. And if you know that you can heal her, you would surely make a beeline for her. And so my question is, why does Jesus delay? We have this odd episode here. We have a story within a story. We have Jairus, who comes up to Jesus and says, my daughter is about to die. And then suddenly we're taken on this diversion where this woman with a chronic sickness is healed. And by the time we come back to the story of Jairus and his daughter, it's too late. She's dead. And so my question is, why do we have this diversion? Why does Jesus delay? Talk to the person next to you. You have two minutes. uh, And we'll come back and ponder that question together. All right, that's two minutes. Uh, anyone want to volunteer their answers or volunteer their friends' answers? Yeah, Matt. Okay. What do you mean? So maybe there's no delay and the crowd is just an inevitability. It just gets in the way. So that's one thought. Other thoughts? Yep, dramatic effect. There's a climax to the end of the story. Yeah. Yeah. So he's purposely setting up the bigger miracle. Yeah. Other thoughts? Yeah, Jack. If he didn't stop to heal the woman, he wouldn't heal the woman. Yeah, so in one sense, he had this compassion for her that she's there, and so he had to stop. Helpful thoughts, just keep that going along in the back of your minds as we go through this story. But I reckon we get a clue when we think about how faith works in this story. So let's think through faith. Now, I've said this before, faith isn't necessarily blind. It's not this irrational thing that religious people do. A better word is actually trust. So I trust that this microphone will work, so I hold it and I speak confidently into it. And we start with this trust that Jesus can heal. You see it firstly in Jairus. He's a Jewish elder, most likely. Verse 22, he's the ruler of the synagogue. And he's a desperate man. Men of standing don't beg. But look at verse 22. He fell at his feet and implored him, Jesus, earnestly saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. Death is always a tragedy. But when a young person dies? And it's likely this man has tried to find answers elsewhere. He's a ruler of a synagogue. 
And so it's most likely that Judaism hasn't given him the answer. It's a reminder that there's actually no worldview or religion that's actually figured out the problem of death. You accept it, you embrace it as part of nature, you make the most of it now, but there is no worldview or religion that has actually overcome it. And you see it at funerals. There's always a sense of irreconcilable loss. And so this man, the ruler of a synagogue, a leader in his Judaism, turns to Jesus. The story is interrupted, but the picture of faith continues. Because as Jesus heads to the daughter, there's a great crowd, and there's a woman who's been suffering a chronic sickness. And again, the world she lives in has given her no answers. Verse 26, have a look. She had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Her religion likely didn't help either. Most likely, she was a social outcast. And so she too turns to Jesus. Verse 26, uh, she had heard reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and immediately touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And what Jesus notices is that there's power that comes out from him. And so notice verse 34, as Jesus addresses the woman, faith comes up again here. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. That is, where society has failed her, where religion could not heal her, Jesus could. And her faith in Jesus was well placed. But as we come back to the Jairus story, it's not that just that faith that Jesus can heal. It's actually faith that Jesus can raise the dead. And so the stakes are actually raised. Verse 35, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And it seems like this diversion to heal this lady has cost the young daughter her life. Jesus hears this, but look at his response in verse 36. Do not fear, only believe. And believe, it's that same word as faith. You see, Jesus has a track record of healing disease. But what Jesus asks for here is something greater. He's actually saying, have faith that I can raise the dead. And with the words Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. She gets up and she walks. And the faith of Jairus is rewarded in a way that he probably could never have imagined. And this is why I think Jesus actually waits. Because if you had power over sickness, and only sickness, then you make a beeline to the one who's about to die. But if your power extends even over the grave, then it doesn't matter if you're sick, or if she dies, he delays because for Jesus, he knows that he can still raise the girl. It's kind of what um, was said here in one sense. It's the fact that he knows that he's got a power and authority over death itself. And so he waits to show everyone that he can raise her. 
And so Jairus had faith that Jesus can heal, but Jesus asked Jairus, have that same faith. Not just that I can heal diseases, but that I can also raise the dead. But it's not just faith that comes up, it's also fear. The natural response of someone who is so powerful is to be afraid, especially if, like this woman here, you touched him without his permission. So imagine if Joe Biden was here, he was surrounded by all his bodyguards, you went up to him and you touched his sleeve, and him and all his bodyguards just turned towards you. You'll be like the woman in verse 33. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. But the lesson here is that Jesus is compassionate. He actually commends her for her faith. That is, if you have faith in Jesus, you don't need to fear him. But look at verse 36. Jesus says to Jairus, is that word again? Do not fear, only believe. What's Jairus afraid of? I mean, he's afraid of the same thing I would be if I were in his shoes. When you hear that your relative is in a hospital... Your heart just can't stop pounding. And yet Jesus says, have faith. Do not fear, even death itself. Because even though no one has figured out death, Jesus has. Which brings us to our last point of salvation. There's actually a salvation word here throughout the passage, and it's translated as well in your passage. It first comes up in verse 23. Jairus says, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. That is, Jairus desires healing. He desires a salvation of sorts for his daughter. And it comes up in verse 28 with the woman. If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And again in verse 34, from the lips of Jesus, Daughter, your faith has made you well. There's a desire for healing here, for saving from a world that's been marred by sickness and death. And we, we just have this wonderful picture of salvation that comes from Jesus. And it's actually highlighted in verse 39. Did you just notice how odd that verse is? Jesus enters a death seat and he makes what seems like an insensitive comment. Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but sleeping. And the response of verse 30 is appropriate. There's laughter. Surely this girl is dead. Why does Jesus say that she's only sleeping? You see, death is final. When someone's sick, there's still hope, but that hope disappears when they die. But Jesus is saying that the finality of death, it actually doesn't apply to this girl. And what Jesus does is that he reverses the verdict of death. And he raises her up as if she was sleeping. You see, death is kind of like the Berlin Wall. Imagine growing up in post-World War II Germany and never being able to go to the other side. For three decades, it was impenetrable. 136 people died trying to cross it. But in 1963... For a brief window of 18 days over Christmas, the sweetest sounds in the city wasn't bark or handle, but it was actually the sound of jackhammers. 
because the authorities had allowed a small hole to be placed in the Berlin Wall. And some from West Berlin were allowed to visit immediate relatives in East Berlin over Christmas. This episode is like that hole in the wall. It's actually a glimpse of the other side. And it's a glimpse of what is actually to come. Because what happens is that when we get to the end of Mark's biography, it's almost like the Berlin Wall collapses. Because Jesus doesn't raise someone from the dead, but he himself rises from the dead. Let me read to you from the end of Mark. It's from Mark 16, verse 6. But this is what has happened. Jesus has been crucified. His disciples hear that the tomb is empty. They race to the tomb and they are addressed by an angel who says this, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. You see, for Jesus himself, death wasn't final. The one who died for our sins didn't just die, but he was raised to life by God. And he was raised to be the king who rules over the whole world. And because he was raised to life, he actually offers life to everybody. And so for us, it actually comes back to faith and it comes back to fear. We can trust, we can have faith in Jesus. Because he's got power over sickness. But he's got power over death itself. But we also don't need to fear if we have faith. We don't need to fear death itself. Because in Jesus, we have the only answer to the problem of death. Uh, I've got there on your outline a line from a guy called Luc Ferry. Uh, He's a French philosopher. He's a secular humanist. He's not someone who will call himself a follower of Jesus, but he says this. The Christian response to mortality, for believers at least, is without question the most effective of all responses. It would seem to be the only version of salvation that enables us not only to transcend the fear of death, but to beat death itself. You see, he can't bring himself to follow Jesus, for the cost is too high, but he sees the appeal of it. For every other worldview and religion, it's a way you can cope with death. But only in Jesus is a solution that can beat death itself. And if you do believe in Jesus, it means you never have to grieve in the same way. I mean, death's a funny thing to talk about, especially to a group of 18 to 24-year-olds here. Uh, Some of you might have had experiences with death. Uh, Most of you haven't, but if you haven't, most of you will. Well, you definitely will. And one of, the things, one of the things we want to do at Focus is actually prepare you for a lifetime. And so my hope is that when that day comes, when grief comes knocking on your door, that you will actually have hope. And what hope does, hope doesn't minimize the pain of death, of grief. But it actually gives you something to look forward to. And let me finish with this. Billy Graham was an American preacher, and he died a few years ago. But this is what he wrote in his will. And it's something you can only write if you've met Jesus and you had faith in Jesus. But as a comfort to his family, he wrote this. When you read this, I will be safely with Jesus in paradise. I will be awaiting the reunion of our family in heaven. That's hope. And it's hope that only comes through Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you give us a solution to death.
that in this story you have the power not just over sickness but death itself. Thank you that you rise again and that you offer us life from death. And we pray that we would put our faith in you and not grieve and fear death like others do who don't know you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.